Welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm one of your hosts, Petter, and with me I got my co-host, James. Hello. And in this episode, we are talking about volume 15 of To Your Eternity. We are now fully caught up to the English physical releases of this series. So, yeah, that, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy and also sad because now I gotta wait until December. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, it's gonna be rough. <laughs> yeah, because I really like how this ended. Well... I mean, mm-hmm. although it did kind of end the same way as the previous two volumes. Yeah, like yeah. All, so far, all three volumes since we got into the present day have had sort of similar-ish endings. At least the final panel, right? The final page. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like with with the Mizuha being lustful in a sense for Fushi, or maybe <laughs> that's the wrong word. Anyway, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, or maybe it's not the wrong word. Maybe you're not. Uh, <laughs> maybe you're not far off. <laughs> but but anyway, let's get into the character discussions, starting with Fushi. So f- first of all, I just want to point out that we never got a follow up on those turtle eggs that he laid in the previous volume. Mm-hmm. He seemingly just left those <laughs> there at the beach. Well, I mean, they got to hatch eventually, but it's gonna take some time, right? I suppose. Right. Maybe. Maybe he will return for them. But honestly, I don't think anything's going to happen. Just those turtles are going to go on with their lives, and we'll never know about it. They'll go on to become the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, oh my God. It's the origins for for that whole thing. (laughs) So, Oh, my God. To Your Eternity is the origins for that and for Santa Claus. I think we talked about that. Oh, wow. We're learning so much. (laughs) But anyway. origin. (laughs) Yeah. But but that's kind of how, how... turtle like sea turtle babies work though right i think they they do hatch on their own and get into the ocean by them by themselves i think right yeah no no they do they do i don't know how long it takes for them to hatch out of the eggs but i don't think it's instantly no no that would be weird i suppose Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah it's it's like for the standards of a sea turtle it's probably no big deal that the parent isn't around so (laughs) i i guess Fushi gets a pass there. Yeah, of all the animals to transform into, I guess that was the the easiest one to uh, <laughs> abandon. <laughs> yeah, although he did feel perhaps some kind of love for them when he laid the eggs. Uh, I I don't know. I, I think he maybe was experiencing pain. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe. I, I, I can't imagine it's comfortable to lay that many eggs. True. That's a really good point, actually. Uh. But, but I guess I guess we'll move on from that. I, I don't I, I don't suppose there's too much uh, relevance there, at least right now. I just think it's interesting. It, it took us a long time to get to Fushi in this volume, um, mm. and then when we finally do, he's he's contemplating about that whole scene, uh, how the previous volume ended, and how she wants to teach him what love is. Yeah. Um, so he's having kind of second thoughts about it all. Uh, agreeing to it, you know, thinking about Perona and March, their death, and Hayase's line and, and love. Yeah. And I wondered if his visions, or I guess his just memories of Hayase um, was a sign that Mizaha would go and do the, a similar thing. You know, go after the the uh, enemies to her uh, uh, to her love you know the obstacles she has in her way because that's basically oh, yeah. what Hayase said about Perona and March 
saying that they were in, they were in the way of their love, and so I wonder if that is kind of a a, a parallelism to be made with Mizuha oh. right now. However, it, it, I'm not saying that's a fact. I'm just saying that could be an interesting comparison. And mm. when you look at the end of this manga and you see, or the end of this volume, and you see how Mizuha confronts. Don't tell me. 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 There maybe maybe there was a bit of um, Hayase motivation there, and and we can I guess maybe save that specific discussion for later. But I just think mm. thinking about Hayase at this point in time and potential comparison with her um, ancestor or her descendant descendant that's the word mm. yeah for sure absolutely I, I I don't think I necessarily thought of it that way but but i do agree i'm i'm, I'm sure that's or I, I definitely see that similarity between mizuha and, and hayase there yeah yeah absolutely well i guess it could also mean that tonari may be in danger and, or any girl who gets mm. close to fushi maybe that could be dangerous maybe for sure of course we don't know how it's gonna go all go down yeah, that that is that is uh, interesting. I I guess for me for that early scene with Fushi, I just thought it was nice to see him sort of talking to Perona in that way, mm-hmm. uh, while being in her form as well. But just missing her, of course, since she's one of the few really big characters that weren't that weren't able to make it. Yeah, you know, right. So I I just thought it was nice to see some more focus on her. I suppose even though it was just mm-hmm. that that little bit. Yeah, the Perona, I wish you were here line, you mm. know, it got me. It's like, same, bro. Yeah, same. <laughs> totally. I, I am hoping for something, like, for uh, like similarly to this, perhaps, some sort of focus on Rin as well. Maybe maybe Gugu would be there for that. Like, something something about that. Because I, 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 I don't want her to be forgotten either. Fair. But, I mean, I, I don't know. It, obviously, the story would need to... Well, it, it would have to make sense with everything going on, of course, and stuff like that. But. Mm-hmm. Well, I think another reason to bring up Perona, though, is mm. that hair tie. Exactly. That we've seen. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember this, but I have said that Hana could look exactly like Perona. Yes. Just you, modern day. You said that in well, when we talked about volume 13, that yeah. her eyes might be... or her, Well, yeah, she might look similar. Well, I, well, I, thought, I thought, yeah, I thought... Potentially her eyes and, and a bit of her bangs as well could look. Right. So when we get a face reveal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something else that kind of pushed me in that way, and that was the hair tie with the feather. But I I couldn't remember for the life of me why I felt that way. Well, well then I looked back at pictures of Perona, and she has a hair tie with a feather on it yes. in some cases. Oh, I think she always does. Oh, or always does. Yeah. I, th- I think there was one shot I saw that she didn't. Gotcha. Have it for some reason. Maybe but anyway, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I... It, it, it Obviously, it was very clear in this book. It, like, it, it was very obvious to see... Like, well, to, 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 to notice the feather in Perona's hair when Fuji was in her mm-hmm. form at the beginning of this book. I 
I had completely, I, I don't think I had necessarily noticed that detail in her character design before this book. So, because I, I remember when we talked about volume 12, uh, at the end of that discussion, when we were talking a little bit about that final page that sort of teased the modern age when we saw mm-hmm. Mizuha for the first time and she was putting that hair tie in, in her hair. I think you asked me then if I, yeah. if there was some sort of significance to that feather, and we were both kind of stumped at it at the time. We couldn't really, like, we didn't know what was if there really was any significance there. Right. But obviously, this is it, and especially since you brought up the theory about uh, Hana being, you know, resembling uh, Perona, the volume after that, mm-hmm. then, and and you know, with her being the one who made Mizu have that hair tie and having made herself a new one as well uh, after that so there there's definitely with all of that in you know taken into consideration i think your your speculation about her resembling perona is a lot more credible now yeah for sure and yeah and just going back going back to that speculation we had in or i guess we were trying to think of speculation uh, in volume 12 yeah. I, for some reason it just it felt like it had significance and i just couldn't remember or think of what it was um until the next volume but even then i was kind of like what did it have to do with perona i, I couldn't figure it out and then obviously <laughs> right it, well okay you want to be I, i'll be honest i didn't look back to see if she had a hair i was lazy okay ah, I that's what I, it was <laughs> it wasn't until this volume i was like wait a minute did she always have that hair tie uh-huh. and then i looked back I was like, oh. yeah yeah as well yeah i, I did the same thing i, I kind of flipped through the pages of the first two volumes and Every panel I found of, of Perona there, she had uh, the hair tie. Maybe she didn't when she was like washing her hair, perhaps like washing like in the in the river or mm-hmm. something. But but yeah, pretty much she, whenever she was dressed or well regularly, like she always had it there. So that's mm. uh, I, I'm a little bit upset at myself for not having I guess picked up on that and remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> but oh well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at least I'm grateful for this volume for spelling it out for us a little bit. Yeah, because we need we need it. I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, back to Fushi. Something I thought was kind of nice was that after Mizuha bought him the the new clothes when they were on their date, he actually took her advice on that because he was wearing that same outfit at least throughout the entirety of this book. After that, uh, with the exception oh, yeah. of when he was a in like at at the school talking to Funa. When you know he was wearing his school uniform, but besides that, I think I'm pretty sure he was constantly wearing those clothes that Mizuha bought him. So I I thought that was nice. You know, he actually well because I I feel I, something I I'm really appreciating with Fushi, and it's gotten more more and more clear sort of as these three books have gone on, is how he even though he understands that Mizuha is, well she has her issues. Mm-hmm. Obviously, ever since the first book when he found her. Well, well, volume thirteen. When he found her, he knew he had she, she had just killed her mother, or supposedly anyway. So you know, there's always been difficulties, I suppose. But even despite all of that, he still really wants to put an effort in to be a friend to her and to support her. And I, I just think that's a very admirable trait. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I he I don't think he wants to give up on her or just. Mm you know, think, oh, well, because your bloodline's like this, you're going to be, you're going to be evil. You're going to be, you know, a terrible person. Uh And part of it could be just that by the end of this volume, I I think he's come to grips with the fact that this isn't the peaceful world anymore. But, Hmm. you know, 
towards when the when the arc first started, he was definitely under the impression that this was a peaceful world. Yeah. And so he wanted to so he wanted to give Mizaha the benefit of the doubt, and and still does. And I mean, we'll see what happens with next volume after how it ends. But yeah, I think he is a, a good support for her. And the clothes I didn't think too much of, other than you know he was just kind of uh, willing to not st- stick out as much. But mm. um, that's a good point as well. Right, yeah, just the fact that she bought them. Like, not like firstly, she bought them for him, and secondly, she told him to to continue wearing them. Um, I, thought was, I thought was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, more on that date, he sort of tried to make Tonari's friend's dreams come true in various ways, although through himself. Uh, which mm-hmm. I, 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 I definitely understood Sonari's, you know, what, what, why she was upset at that later on. But at the same time, I don't exactly blame Fushi because I, I, I think, well, because he, he was sort of blaming himself, not for the same reason that Tonari was blaming him for, but after Tonari had sort of talked to him about that, he, he was sort of beating, beating himself up over it as well, although for a slightly different reason. Let me see if I can just find that real quick because i feel like it was uh yeah oh yeah he said he used upa and the others tonari's friends to alleviate the powerlessness that he felt for being unable to save them that's sort of what how he blamed himself after after all that but i i i think he needed something to brighten like or well to to ease his mind uh because you know he's been burdened with this whole knocker business and pretty much carrying it all on his shoulders by himself ever since getting into the present day you know since he he wants the rest of his friends to live without n- really knowing about it but that's the issue is that he used their bodies you know that are precious to Tonati of course uh, for his for his i guess his own stress relief for his own enjoyment mm. and I totally understand when he decided to start doing those things and, and the purpose and his purpose for, you know, going to those places was to fulfill their dreams. I totally want to get that, but he couldn't fulfill their dreams. They were dead. Yeah. Um, so he was just really experiencing their dreams, mm-hmm. you know, himself. So it's a touchy thing. And I, I do think tonight was a bit dramatic um, about it all, but you know, I guess it goes to show that human emotions are complicated and especially when you're dealing with people that you really love and care about. Um, yeah, that can be very frustrating to see, um, mm. you know, especially if someone kind of uses your friends in a way. Um, and in this case, just, I guess, <laughs> use their bodies. I mean, it's a, it's a strange concept that would never happen in our own life, really. Mm. But I, I can see where the conflict is. And I think... To be honest, I think uh, Fushi should feel bad. Um, it, it, not to say that he meant any sort of anything bad from it, but I think um, it wasn't the right decision to make. Right. I mean, ideally, he shouldn't have needed to ease his his mind that way in the first place, because I, I think he should have, you know, let all his friends in on this and let them help him from the start about the knockers i i I understand him wanting them to live carefree i understand that but i think that's still a dumb decision that he made 
I think he, he <laughs> should have let them in on that because then he, he wouldn't have been pushed to the those extremes to where he would have done something like he, that, that he did on, on the, his date with, with Mizuha, I, I think. Hmm. And I wonder if this is a sign a bit to kind of the theme or challenge for Fushi right now, you know, learning about love. And I wonder if his inability to recognize something as being insensitive, mm. oh, yeah. maybe that's a, a sign of his, you know, bit of lack of humanity, I guess. And I felt like there was a few moments in this volume where we had evidence of love in various aspects, um, and we'll discuss them as going forward, but evidence of love that Fuji himself maybe doesn't quite understand or or, or fully grasp. Yeah. Um, and maybe that would help him become even more human. But, mm. I mean, again, I, I'm not saying that he... Fushi can't love. I, I totally think he can love. But going into this and looking looking for those themes and seeing places where maybe Fushi doesn't quite understand being human still, um, I can, yeah, I can see maybe places where he could improve. For sure. Absolutely. And I, I, I like your, well, what you said about Fushi being a bit insensitive sometimes because that, that's like, this wasn't the first time that he mm-hmm. did something insensitive. Of course, it varies. It's in different ways. But for example, right. I think it was the previous volume when Tonari had bought herself a new outfit, like the the dress. He <laughs> his his reaction was he just pointed and laughed at her. That's that's <laughs> not really like so cool, you know. He, like it's fine to to be like to give constructive criticism or whatever. But like the reaction he gave was definitely not so cool. Mm-hmm. for example so but yeah right <laughs> he has he has room to grow yeah totally and perhaps it's empathy is the kind of love that he is seeking I, but i'm not sure hmm. Hmm. there was a moment that it kind of goes with this during that date where um kazumi is that her name or no what was her name uh the girl from the orphanage sumika yeah uh yeah the girl from the she uh was I was chasing and then then you know she he, Fushi turns into Mia and they get away. Well, Fushi says a line where like the beholder needs to hide behind a girl now or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and uh, let me let me let me actually get the line. Yeah. I forgot to write it down. He says he he's letting a girl protect him and that he's let humans affect him. Yes, let humans affect him. That line I was just kind of like, what? Like, I mean, yeah, yes, like, it is true that, or, or I, I, I do think that he's, the Beholder's becoming more human and hmm. and so, somewhat, although I think Fushi is maybe not seeing the bigger picture here, and I think he's way too doubtful of the Beholder's intentions than he should be, but I, I could be wrong. Hmm. Anyway, but it's interesting that he would say that he, He's let the humans affect him. Just the way that it's worded, it sounds like Fuji himself hasn't been affected by humans. Uh, but it, I mean, it depends on just how you take it. You could also take it as he's just oh, he's only talking about Beholder mm. and not, you know, not himself as well. Not himself as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I was having the same thoughts about that. Like, is this like a jab at only the 
the beholder or is it like something that he considered himself himself higher than the beholder in that regard because uh, he was yeah. sort of scoffing at it but it was also ironic or it was funny because the panel after that Mizaha points out that that she protected Fuji so exactly <laughs> being a girl or a human whatever you know uh so it's funny, but, but that, well, that's what confuses me. I, I, yeah, and I understand it's supposed to be funny as well. But that's what confuses me is he says that, and yet Mizuha does the thing, the same thing for him. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess, other than him being just hypocritical about about the whole thing, does he does he still not see himself as as human? I mean, yeah. I I understand that he has these supernatural abilities, but. I, I always thought that he was trying to kind of protect his humanity where he kind of prided himself in being sympathetic or, hmm. you know, not willing to kill people and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, he has been having these doubts about mm-hmm. not understanding love and thus perhaps not being fully human or perhaps not being mm. considered a human. So maybe maybe it's something along those lines. Maybe it's something along those lines. Yeah. Potentially. Hmm. I mean, at this point, I can just really just point it out and say I, I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we we shall see. <laughs> Got anything more on Fushi? Yeah, towards the end, or I think in the f- final chapter, Fushi gets the feeling he's being watched. Mm. And I was like, hmm, what? Is it microscopically that he's being watched? Or is it being watched from paradise? And can oh. you sense that? Oh, I don't know. So, my, I I just naturally assumed it was like well the microscopic knockers, but but we did get to know that the the Mimori knocker was observing things from paradise in this book. Supposedly, so. yeah. So I suppose that's a poss- possibility as well. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, know. Yeah. I don't. I don't expect it's any like person, you know, who's at the school just watching him constantly kind of a kind of a thing it, right it's got to be either microscopically or i guess paradise <laughs> I said, yeah for sure yeah i think so too i mean or it's something that we don't quite understand knockers at the very yeah. least or guardians guardian spies something yeah. because that, that, that also I started wonder. surfacing in this book more like them yeah. being somehow involved in some shady stuff here so mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> dude the grandpa Watch out for the grandpa. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely come into my mind more for, uh, after having read this book. <laughs> uh, and that's all I have on Fushi. Gotcha. Then let's talk a little bit about Mizuha next. Okay. So given what we learn about the knockers in this book, I think it seems more safe to say now that she was under knock under the, the knocker's control when she killed her mother, perhaps. Yep. Like it's it's probably not hundred percent, but it's it right. seems like it seems much more likely now than it did before. I'm like ninety ninety five. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure that uh-huh. it is the case. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I'm very sure as well. I just don't want to say it's guaranteed, but it definitely right. definitely seems mm-hmm. much more much more much more likely. Uh, and just that the knocker is sort of. Well, it's going in and out of control and Mizuha not having memory of it when it is in control. And that's why there was that memory right. gap and all that. So it does add up. But it could also be kind of a fake out situation as well. Exactly. I, I totally get it. Right, right. <laughs> Which would make Mizuha even more sketchy if 
she actually does have memories of all that, but I don't think so. Oh, 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 yeah, no, I, no, I, I don't think that. If if oh, it okay. if it is a fake out, I think it's a fake out in the sense that it it was like a natural uh, memory gap that just happened because of like the trauma or something, you know. Hmm. Then how would you explain the thing that just happened with Funa? So yeah, that I think definitely probably is the knocker. Yes. However, um, and 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 as I said, I I think it's the most likely case is that it is the the knocker back when she killed her mother. I'm just saying if it is a fake out, then then that's probably what it is. But but I'm most likely thinking that it is is the knocker. Yeah, I mean, I think if it's a fake out, I I think it's it's got to be that Mizaha is fully aware of her actions. Okay. And that huh. wow that she's kind of repressing some of those memories herself. Like she's making herself forget about it? Yeah, yeah. Like at least, at least, uh, especially the first part. And with Funa, or the first part being her mom. Mm-hmm. And then with Funa, you could almost argue that she could be pretending to be slipping out of consciousness, if you will. Yeah. However, uh, I don't think that's the case. I, I do think it's the knocker. Like I said, 90, 95 <laughs> yeah. sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I just, you know, if it were another way. Right. Then Then we are mostly in the same boat on that. Yeah, right. So it's interesting. She then, you know, ever since the first book, when we saw her, you know, itching her arm and stuff, that was probably because of the microscopic knockers, which at the time weren't controlling her, but would perhaps from now and the like, yeah, from time to time, uh, sort of take control without her noticing or knowing about it. Anything more on Misuha? Yeah. So when she slaps the dude. Yes. Mikuya, all of his bones break eventually. It, it uh-huh. takes a whole night to happen, but all of his teeth fall out, which is really gross. And then he's just, just like swole up. Yeah, yeah, his whole body just kind of fell apart. <laughs> so, I mean, if that's not evidence of some sort of knocker activity, I don't know what is. Right, yeah. I was really weirded out by that. I mean, probably everyone was... <laughs> it's because it just it was just such a like a body horror kind of thing all in a way yeah it, like man um and and yeah I, I also sort of tried to trace it back to that slap which what well, I mean what else could it be i well so i had either the thought that it that that it's the slap in some sort of combination with the knocker shenanigans either that like knockers sort of attacking his body from within or something or or infesting something within him that caused that or whatever either it's something like mm-hmm. that which Mizua herself probably wasn't aware of but that the knocker oh, no. within her probably no. would have done when she slapped him I, I i get if it's that or it's the guardians having interfered with it in in some sense maybe mm-hmm. having i don't know gotten some kind of poison into him to because he was being rude to Mizuha. <laughs> I, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I just I just don't want to overlook the guardians at this point, um I guess. That's fair. I just uh yeah, I mean yeah, maybe something else happened to him that we are just not aware of yet. Huh. And that's what actually caused it all. Yeah. But I'm not sure why they would why they would potentially implicate Mizuha in, in all that, but mm. 
maybe maybe nothing bad will happen to her and i mean and i don't don't think anything should obviously she didn't mean for any of that no oh no to happen to him Mm -hmm. and all she was doing was just getting the guy away from away from fushi right and and to be fair like he had no right to go start throwing fists like he did you know i mean no no he he was just salty really or well yeah he was uh, envious or jealous. Well, and he was also he was also pro- jealous, also probably trying to show off, right? Whether he wants to admit it or not. Oh yes, oh yes. You know, yeah, and obviously, Fushi had it was not trying to woo that Funa girl. You know, it's just right. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't. I anyway, I don't blame Mizuha for slapping the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really sad that this happened to him, though. Oh, absolutely. It's. Man, yeah, and I, I, I look forward to hopefully learning, like, the cause of that, the reason behind it in the next volume. Yeah. And along with that, whether or not it's related to the Guardians or not, I want more on the Guardians. And, you know, perhaps Mizuha, mm. Mizuha's grandfather. I like, agree. And stuff like that. I, especially since they've been kind of brought back into the story with this book in a way, well, sort of through, through some comments at least. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, like with 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 the the Naginata and like all of that. Yeah, man. We need we need more on them. <laughs> Indeed, and I believe that's all I have on uh, Mizuha. All right, then let's talk a bit about Hirotoshi next. The guy who sort of opened up this whole volume, and man, he's a really weird dude. He may be a degenerate. He may be a pedophile, but at least he's got heart. Right. It's like, he's not a bad guy. He would never, like, act on some of the things that he probably feels. Fantasizes about? Right, right, right. I don't think he would, (laughs) you know, ever do any of those things. Which, well, I mean, at least we assume. Uh, He seems seems like a good guy, yeah. Uh, But man, yeah, he's weird for sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't like how he says when he sees his, uh, when he sees Momori for the first time. He's like, it's always almost like true or first love. And I was like, don't, yeah, don't say that. Yeah, that was like the don't first like really like oof moment with him. <laughs> like, no, please, no, please. And there was a few oof moments. Yeah, right. Other oof moments. There definitely were like when he like looked at her bare legs when he uh, was like in a tie tie her shoe. Uh, like, also like, uh, dude. Get a grip, <laughs> but but then you know we we do like, it sort of makes up for it. I mean, well, first of all, he never acts on it. As I said, like he doesn't do anything yeah. actually. He actually he doesn't actually do any bad actions necessarily. Um, uh-huh. He 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 is controlling himself, which is respectable, I suppose. Um, I guess, but 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 anyway, uh, he we we do get to see these very noble moments of him later on when he you know he goes to to the parents meeting thing parents day at school and right. all of that this equipment is too advanced for my level it's like oh my <laughs> yeah what a tour that was so funny uh that that was probably like because he made little comments like that from time to time but that was definitely the funniest one i thought uh, <laughs> like oh my i bet God. you there are people who will say say we do this thing like that I'm, i mean look yeah. if you're one of those people you're listening to this podcast i'm not trying misjudge you it's just really awkward you know it he's just and, and this guy is just really socially awkward you know what I mean? oh absolutely 
absolutely but yeah. but but as we said he's a good guy you know yeah he's a good guy so yeah. <laughs> uh but it is really funny um th- those comments that he makes from time to time and i guess toward the end his whole thing when he came well what's the word what do you call people that show their naked bodies in english uh stripper uh, flasher flasher yes flasher is the word i was looking for yeah that was also obviously really out there and weird but sort of funny as well and poor fuji got <laughs> terrified <laughs> but, but yeah yeah th- th- those pages were like oh my god like th- th- there were several panels too of him just really showing off and that like oh my god dude stop it <laughs> nobody wants to see that <laughs> but it was funny though um uh, but but I guess the biggest thing for him, not counting his backstory, I suppose, was his, him fighting the the Bimori knocker and yeah. Even though he didn't stand a chance whatsoever, he 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 didn't he didn't give up. Right. And thanks to that, Bimori wanted to live again. So for sure, that's pretty awesome. I mean, him standing up. For and promising Mimori a better life was very, very admirable. Oh, for sure. And uh, obviously, he was in over his head. But at that point, maybe that was the only way to get Mimori to, I guess, come to her senses and, and realize that, you know, it's better, it's better to keep living. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps that's another example of love for Fushi to. Oh yeah. Uh, take take note of, although he doesn't really comment on it at all. But I, I hope he maybe thinks about it and be like, hey, you know, that's mm. that's an aspect of love. Exactly. And I don't mean romantically. Let, let me, right, let me be right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I'm glad he's still alive. Yeah, I thought he was going to de- die in this, uh, like, during that uh, whole thing. Yeah, it was, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, he had a sword to his neck. Uh-huh. Um, that was pretty, yeah, it was pretty close. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's alive, and hopefully he'll be able to give... Or help Nimori have a life where, you know, she could be happy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just stop, stop being a degenerate. Yeah, I really hope he can grow out of that. Um, More of that is kind of for sure. And uh, well, I, I, speaking of thinking he would die, the first panel of chapter 137, chapter called "A Say," the first panel is Mimori just kicking his head. And he and him just and and then later on he just flies into the building, which obviously yeah. Fushi blocked with with futons. But like uh, that that uh, well, fair. I I I know Fushi blocked the well. He he softened the impact, so he he saved him that way. But just the kick mm-hmm. initially, I feel like that would have killed him. <laughs> like and it's also <laughs> it's also funny that how that that kick is like her heel to his to his cheek and, and like breaking probably his jaw and his teeth in the process and Mm -hmm. it's with those shoes that he bought for her and i just i just feel like like it's such a cruel yeah yeah ironic and cruel image of him being kicked by the very shoes that he bought for her (sighs) for sure (laughs) yeah that that whole scene was really brutal and yeah um was hard hard to watch honestly yeah it really was it felt like it went on forever even though it wasn't that long but it was probably uh-huh. just because it was so, yeah, so brutal and you felt so... One-sided. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Anything more on Hirotoshi, though? Yeah, I have one more, and it's just a, mm. a funny kind of joke that <laughs> Boima had where he's he's imagining all these sisters in his, <laughs> yeah. you know, games and anime, uh-huh. calling calling him Onichan or various, or various uh, ways of it. But there's, like, a dude bro in the back who's, like, Oniki or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, just, I, I love it. It's <laughs> that so was funny. <laughs> That was really funny. Yeah, it was like the cover of one of his books, I think, that had like like a bunch of like well, little sister images, and like in the background there was that macho man. Oh, it wasn't a cover. It was just it. It was him thinking of various ones. Wait, no, there was one. Wait, are we not thinking about different ones then? Because there was like a a book cover in his. Um... Yeah, he had like a a his prized possession, but. Um... It it wasn't the it wasn't the cover of the game. Oh yeah, maybe maybe it's a game, a game or a book or something. But yes, it, it no, it, it is the cover. It is literally the cover. It's just more close up. What chapter is that again? It's uh, the first chapter of the book, um, one hundred thirty-three. Okay, make sure I get that right. Well, that's funny. You're you're right. It is it is the it is the cover. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize. I, I just thought he was just imagining them because they because they oh. all have speech bubbles. Right, exactly. He, yeah, yeah. He I guess he's sort of fantasizing the speech bubbles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and like cuz you can see like the cover like two panels before that and like the match macho man has like speedos on and like it's it, it's pretty funny. <laughs> My bro. Uh but yeah, I guess we're moving on to uh Mimori next. And I guess this, the distinction here is that we're talking about Mimori herself and not the knocker that is right. within her. So what we learn pretty much, well, pretty much right right off the bat in this book is that the real Mimori is very very timid and shy, and yeah, not not really at all like we saw her knocker be in the previous book. Yeah, I I wonder what her voice sounds like because her text is is a little different like sometimes it's like normally written at least in my version it's normally written and then uh-huh. some of the words are like squiggly squiggly exactly you know, right 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 yeah i think i feel like most of the time it was a bit wobbly sort of but then sometimes it wasn't and i i guess that to me i i just sort of read that as like most of the, most of the time she sounds i guess unsure and just kind of like well maybe a little bit of a shaky voice perhaps nervous mm-hmm. voice and then may- maybe sometimes she's able to not sound like like that but most of the time she does i i i, I think yeah i just i'm not sure I, yeah. I i think it's definitely not a confident voice that's for sure <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but usually when it's like something who's soft or quiet like it'll, it'll be a smaller text or something like that right it, so yeah i'm just not maybe it's a speech impediment that i'm not quite oh yeah i guess well, I don't know. I mean, could be, could be. I, I guess we'll have to wait for season three of the anime or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it kind of reminds it kind of it kind of makes me think she's on the verge of always crying. Which right. understanding how terrible her mother has been to her, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I, let, let's talk about that actually for a while. Like, like, sort of similarly to Mizuha's mom. Mimuri's mother also didn't really care about her either. Uh, although I'd sort of, I'd probably argue Mimuri's mother was even worse than Izumi was. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Izumi 
has care for her daughter in various ways, but obviously social media and, and, and what and whatnot um, clouded clouded that and got in the way. But I think with Mimori's mom, it's almost as if she didn't want to have her. Right. Um, yeah. Doesn't even acknowledge her. Uh-huh. You know it. Yeah, it's worse in my opinion. So yeah, absolutely a lot worse. And, and well, I I couldn't help but think of Shoko Nishimiya's mother again from A Silent Voice. Oh. Which, for those who don't know, also written by Yoshitoki Oima, who's also a, a you know, a, a bad mother figure. And now after having had, having read her character in The Silent Voice, and now since we got into the present day, into your eternity, we had two terrible mothers. And I'm just... Yoshitoki Oima, what's what's up with all these terrible mothers in your stories? Like, yeah. <laughs> I hope you didn't, you know, grow up with a bad mom like that yourself. Like, it just, it, it makes me think along those lines, and it just makes me worry for Yoshitoki Oima. Because <laughs> uh, it seems like a trend almost at this point. <laughs> She's like, oh, they're just so easy to write. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and understanding that she is a terrible mother. It makes more sense why she was so willing to let Hirotoki um, or Hirotoshi, excuse me, mm. uh, s- stay within the house because he'd be, you know, a babysitter. Exactly. So they can go have fun all the time. Uh-huh. And w- when she first said that, I was I was just really confused. It's like, uh, okay, like I don't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know how to process it. But then later on, <laughs> learning about well, who she really is, like, oh, yeah, okay. Wow, way to go. Mm. Mom of the year right here. So, yeah, it's... I guess just speaking about Miyabi, yeah, she really is a terrible person, and mm. who abandons their child like that? I just don't... I don't know. I guess there's different... All kinds of people in this world. Yeah. <laughs> well, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the, the the saddest thing about it is that I'm sure people like this, like, that are a lot like her actually exist mm-hmm. in this world, and that just uh, makes me feel very really bad. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I got one little thing more about Mimori is mm-hmm. the essay she wrote for Parents' Day was very sad as well. Like, ba- yeah. it was basically what she wished for, essentially. Um, and but it was nothing at all like reality. And yeah, that was pretty sad. It is really, really sad. And I, I I'm hoping that Hirotoshi can feel that role that the mother doesn't have or maybe they can mm. um you know somehow snap the mother into taking responsibility right and actually being there for her child yeah um either way i, I hope hitotoshi becomes a positive influence in her life and mm-hmm. yeah she's able to have those happy memories absolutely and i i have a good feeling he will yeah but yeah anything more on her um, it's just really sad that she wanted to kill herself at a young, such a young age. Yeah. Gosh. But then let's move on to Sumika. All right. She's the toughest one at the orphanage, and she even makes boys cry at school. So, uh, don't mess with her. <laughs> I like Sumika. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> uh I didn't expect her to be introduced at all, to be honest. I, I remember seeing her in the vo- volume 13 or 14. I can't remember. It's when it's when Beholder first 
appears as a, as a child. Right. But he didn't really say anything. They just like call him over, and she's there. And I know I was like, okay, well, that's a person, but I don't recognize him. So ah. like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it, definitely cool that she got to actually be a character. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. It, it did seem like it was more detailed kind of characters. So I was like, "What? Do I? Am I supposed to know this person?" But I guess, I guess it was also the fact that I didn't recognize the boy, you know. Mm. And so it was, it was trying to find the connection between it all. Um, and then we got the connection later on with Beholder, obviously. Mm. So she kind of went out of my mind anyway. So now we have, now we know who she is, and she's very protective of the orphans. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I forget, or well, we probably did know the Beholder's new human name being Satoru. I'm, I'm pretty sure we probably knew that before, but I, I guess I took, mm-hmm. I took note of it for the first time here. Um, right, right. And you know, since you know, she, she, she was the one who gave him that name, and, and she has very much become sort of a like a mother figure to him, or well, at least, well, maybe he doesn't view her that way at this point. Perhaps I, I don't know. But at least I think she has assumed that kind of role at the very least, and one yeah, big sister at, at the very yeah yeah something like that like a guardian uh, figure, and once he loses all of his memories and powers of the beholder stuff in four years, then then surely she will truly be that to him. I think, but but I, I guess with, with the whole th- her her having given him the name it. It reminded me of March giving Fuji his name and how the Beholder also being like a supernatural sort of thing, being named by by a human girl, I guess. Yeah, it kind of goes back to Aiko's whole thing about uh, Uma, <laughs> uh, Piora not having a name. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, the horse. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uma's horse in Japanese. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> um mm, mm. And, yeah, so that got me thinking, like, about how he didn't have any love, so mm-hmm. uh, she gave him the name Satoru, mm. and that is a sign of, I guess, a first sign of love. Yeah. So I guess that's another evidence of <laughs> potentially maybe Fushi will understand that. Right. And I th- I think, again, Sumika is another evidence of love for Fushi to take note of. But he doesn't really recognize it yet because he's so caught up in in the beholder and not trusting him and mm. whatnot. Yeah. So, I don't think I don't think Sumika's done. I'm oh, I'm no. sure mm. she'll see Fushi again and then you know try to give him knuckle sandwich. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, and there's no way Fushi is gonna not try to get the beholder to talk again. Oh yeah. Um. So I think yeah they'll be back in the story and so maybe that that'll be the instance where they can, you know, talk to each other and, and Fushi can see that for himself. But mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. For some reason now I just got the 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 idea that if they do a four year time skip to like because I feel like the the point where the beholder goes from being well from having all of his powers and uh, or not all of his powers but some of his powers and his memories. From going going from that to not having any of it would be nice to it would be nice to be there for that. So to have like a four year time skip, or maybe not not maybe not a full four year time skip at at one time. Maybe it would be like a few years here and there, but ultimately leading up to a four year time skip from now. So we would be able to be there for that. I think that would be really fun. 
and perhaps seeing how that, like how maybe how he would potentially change a little bit per perhaps and perhaps Sumika's reactions there. Maybe, maybe she would realize something. Maybe uh, I don't know. I don't know why I just thought of it. It was a very spontaneous thought that just occurred to me. Right. But I, 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 I guess thanks. Like if that, if something that like that happened, we would also get the, I guess, bonus of seeing se several of these characters four years older. That could be fun. Yeah. I, I had the, had the same thought. Um, not just because I wanted to see what would happen when Tonari and Fushi are 19. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We sort of talked about that a little bit. Mm. Right, right. But but also because we have this strict deadline, um, yeah, I, I hope we get to that point and we see you know, how far Fushi is. Is he <laughs> ready for the Beholder to have his memories completely wiped? Or is he going to be like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. Help. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because four years for Fuji is not much. Like, he for, for an eternal uh -huh. being like Fuji, four years is not much time at all. So I'm just at thinking, all. like, no. for him to only get four years warning for that, it's, yeah, not a whole lot of time. Right. Yeah, no, it, it'll, uh, it'll be fun to see. Mm -hmm. Should we move on to the next character? I have one more thing about Sumika. All right, all right, go for it. Uh, boobs the most powerful <laughs> martial arts i mean i mean she's kind of thick all around i suppose yeah no, no she's she's definitely heftier well hefty maybe not the right word uh i don't know i yeah she 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 is she didn't i think when she said scrawny body she did not mean chest size but obviously that was the focus of it all did she call um, uh, uh mizuha Spotty a scrawny body. Uh, she called it scrawny, didn't she? Uh, maybe she did in your translation. I think in mine she she said that twig you call a body. Oh, I think it was twig. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. But I thought that was a funny expression for that. Right. I mean, very rude, but funny. <laughs> oh yeah, totally, totally rude. Um, but anyway, but you know, she freaking knows karate and or karate and judo or whatever it is. Wait, does she? No, 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 not not Sumika. Um, oh, Mizuha right, right, right. Does <laughs> sorry, sorry. She she shouldn't have any issues taking Sumika down. Yeah, because she has the proper technique. Exactly. I don't. Yeah, I agree. But it was the boobs. <laughs> boobs were too powerful. <laughs> too, too intimidating. <laughs> too intimidating. I'm sorry. I I thought it was funny. Okay. <laughs> I mean, hey, you got me laughing. Hopefully, you got some of the listeners laughing as well. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm done listening to this. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, hey, that's a good note to end the Sumika discussion on. Moving on to Funa a little bit. Probably, we probably don't have a whole lot. I mean, she didn't appear a whole lot in this book, but... Mm -hmm. Well, the only thing I really have that I wanted to point out, and well, it's it's half. I, I guess it's partially a speculation as well. Is the last thing that we see happen to her is she's stabbed in the gut with a naginata, and she falls to the ground, and she's e. bleeding like a pool of blood. And e. based on the fact that she is a knocker, or she has a knocker mm -hmm. dwelling inside of her at the very least, she should survive that. I I feel. Oh yeah. So, at least based on what we saw of the Mimori knocker. That should not have killed her, right? Yeah, I'm not. I don't think so. I I think. I mean, yeah. I agree, I mean, I agree with you. Hmm. I think that in order for her to die at this point, 
it has to be some sort of choice that Funa makes to die. Um, mm. Because Mimoni died when she fell off fell off the the school roof, ah, um, killing herself. But she already had the knocker in her. So I think that mm. there has to be. I think there has to be a choice made, and obviously it wasn't her choice to get stabbed. So then, the knocker could come in and save her. Right and again. Who knows? Like maybe this is the thing that puts it takes Funa out of the body and lets the knocker completely own it because sure. we do see that happen to Izumi where mm. um maybe not entirely similar, but if the knocker took over a body, it probably was already there, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe it was just watching, I'm not sure. Right. No, but I I think I think well, because in all of the examples that we have or that well, mm-hmm. where we know of it, then they were already there from the start. So I think it's safe to assume Izumi already had her inside of her as well. Then again, hmm. <laughs> sorry, we're talking about knockers now, but oh, it's fine. <laughs> I think, I think that. Did you remember that how Izumi was in a in a in a dead pose, like she was gripping her neck and she was just dead yeah, corpse, right? Um, when Mizuha saw her and ran out. Yeah, and even when Fushi came there a little bit later, she was still like that. Oh, yeah, she was still there. Mm. Now, that didn't happen with Mimori. Mimori, basically, the knocker just got up right after that. Uh-huh. So, that could imply that she didn't have a knocker inside her. And then, during that time that she was dead, the knocker grabbed the body and was like, sweet. True, true. That's kind of That's a good point, actually, yeah. I definitely could see that being the case as well. It's either that, mm-hmm. or the or there was a knocker inside of her that just for some reason decided to wait. So I just wait. Like, I, <laughs> Maybe it was strategic. Yeah. Right. No, like, no, I mean, I don't know. These knockers are really conniving. They really are. Yeah. Yeah. Although I definitely I definitely like that possibility as well that you suggested. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But anyway, uh, Funa, I, yeah, I, I think she'll still be alive. It really, it's really up to the knocker, though. <laughs> right? It really. Yeah, it's up to the knocker. <laughs> and that doesn't feel good, you know, to, to leave it in the hands of the knocker. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Even though this knocker seems to be almost somewhat benevolent um, yeah. to Fushi's mm. purpose, but not, obviously not entirely sure. She, at least she, she called herself an enemy. You're right. She did. She did. But but still, I I, I get I understand what you mean. Something that it's, I think is important to note is when Misaha stabbed her, or before that, she said purging and a guidance. Mm. Um, well, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what that means for Funa. Yeah. But yeah, guidance confused me a bit there because right. like purge, like I, I can understand the first bit, but yeah. It could be that he purged the body of the actual Phi. And then this would give guidance to the knocker that's in her, ah. and saying, "Hey, you're not supposed you're you're supposed to take over the body, right? Not, you know, just let her or heal her all the time. I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, dude, maybe I I think that would make sense. I don't know, but I feel like it makes sense though. <laughs> I think that's all I really have on Funa. I mean, she seems like a sweet girl. Um, right. Don't really know much about her, and I'm I'm sure we'll learn more. I really hope so. Um, mm. Is this another love rival? <laughs> 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 uh, 
not every girl had or or boy had is a is a love interest okay yeah, yeah. I, i i don't think she will be <laughs> but could be fun i hope not yeah i mean it could be it could be fun but i hope not like i'm, I'm tired <laughs> <laughs> are you tired of shipping james i am because <laughs> there's nothing happening like besides <laughs> mizuha I mean, there, there, are, there are some, some things. There are some things, but I just want Fuji to get understand love already, <laughs> and then be on his day. Yeah, get on with his life. Right, right. Well, I guess then moving on to the next character, and sort of speaking of shipping and all, let's move on to Tonari. Well, there was that moment between her and Fuji when you know he was in upa's form and turned into himself or while well, he turned into the boy's mm-hmm. form which made tonari very flustered and well i think it was very nice especially for us fushi tonari shippers <laughs> <laughs> they, they 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 had a moment um or at least sort of <laughs> tonari tonari had a moment i mean there was that that spot bubble thing that popped up mm-hmm. indicative of of love yeah um and i don't think that was sushi who was feeling that <laughs> um so mm. I, i think it's safe to say that tonari has those feelings I mean, we we've, we've established this before but yeah. i think this even confirms it for the reader who wasn't quite sure this really does yeah um, like seeing like her blush like that as well i think oh yeah i think was at least some kind of attraction you know right yes some some kind uh-huh mm. and Yeah, I mean, I I think yeah, if you're a really strong, Tonari Fushi shipper, then this is that was a good moment for sure. Uh, but then there was a really bad moment, <laughs> and yeah. that happens in relationships. Yeah, but yeah, it's. I hope they're able to make amends, um, yeah. you know, and not and not have a really bad or rocky relationship going forward. But mm. who knows? And, and you know, and Tonari was really. It seemed like she was actually trying. Like she kept the hair tie. Exactly. That was shocking. I was yeah. I was very surprised to see her actually having kept that. You know, uh, you know, it's like she was willing to even give it a, a little bit of a chance. For sure. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. She must have. Like. Right. Some. But then mm. this happens, and well, mm. probably not. Probably not great. Right. To ease her worries or. Make her feel better, and I I think maybe this is the romantic size side of me, but I I think that there was maybe a bit of jealousy in how Fushi is getting closer to Mizaha, mm. and and obviously I understand why she was upset the way she was, but if he had done that with maybe he was with Yuki or someone that what that wouldn't be after Fushi's heart. I don't think she would be as upset, yeah, as she ended up being because it was with Musa. Right, right, um, yeah. Like I, I, I definitely also got that feeling, of, like to some extent, that it was somehow jealousy as part of it. But, but yeah, like a little bit. Right, but 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 yeah, as you also said, like she, she obviously that they were like her best friends, and how she felt like that was disrespectful. I understand that in and of itself as well so right yeah yeah well and and that's another example of a, a kind of love that maybe fushi doesn't oh, yeah. fully understand right you know and she even says that i love them even more than even more than you hmm. um and so 
I guess that, that could be another aspect that he will eventually comprehend. Mm-hmm. But either way, he go he goofed up. He done goofed up. He, yeah, he did absolutely. There there was a line where uh, I think Gugu says, "Do you think they'll end up going out?" Right. And Tonati's face is just she's not amused whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, oh, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if 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 our shipping with her and Fushi is like, well, if it's going to actually lead to something real. I wonder how and when. I because I'm just ah, oh. because mm-hmm. like I feel like Tonari is really kind of close like well she 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 sort of closes herself off to those sorts of things like she she mm. she plays it cool t- mm-hmm. to the point where could it be too it late makes it difficult right yeah 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 could be something like that yeah that's a, that's yeah, a good point yeah. guess we will see or 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 maybe we won't <laughs> well i think i've said this before that i'm really open to almost any sort of relationship with fushi unless i just don't like the person mm. um but as of right now, I, I think Tonati is just the the best candidate. Oh, I've, uh, I agree. <laughs> you know, I think they just have a great chemistry together. Yeah. But, you know, you can't can't deny the fact that Misa has a thing. And um, Personally, I wouldn't go for the crazy uh, blood dripping down the face type. But, hey, you know, that's <laughs> for each his own. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but is that all on Tonari? Yeah, that's it. All right, then let's move on to Bonchin. He threw that sword really well into yeah, the <laughs> into <Woo>! her neck. <laughs> that was pretty badass. On the money. I like. I, I thought it was Fuji first at first who had thrown it, but then I thought it was Bon. I was like, wow! Oh my god, that was awesome. I I almost wish it would have killed the the knocker. I mean, that wouldn't have gotten the 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 next chapter as it went down. Mm. But still, like <laughs> such a good shot. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. Um, I I don't have m- too much really necessarily about Bond himself, but about Nixon and Fenn, his ghost buddies. Right. They went to like investigate the memory knocker, or like well to keep mm-hmm. keep watch sort of. But they sort of disappeared, and Izumi's Fi also well as as we learned near the end of the volume had also, well Bond hadn't seen her in 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 a while, so. I just really wonder what's up with all of that because it seems like there's something to it. Right. Uh, and Fushi, I think, suggested the possibility that maybe they had been, like, pressured into not coming back or, like, something like that. Yeah, because, well, because Bond says you can't capture them. Exactly. No soul has one power over the other, I guess. Right. Whatever, whatever that <laughs> means exactly. Mm. But, yeah, how do you threaten them? Um. Yeah, I wonder. It's interesting. Yeah, right, right. So I, I don't really have any speculations necessarily on this, but it's just something that I'm very eager to find out, like what, what's right. going oh, I'm on. Right, I'm so eager, yeah. <laughs> I, I have two thoughts, uh-huh. um, and they're probably similar. <clears throat> Go for it. Not, I mean, could could the knocker somehow, um, you know, Imori or another kind of knocker, communicate with them somehow, mm. and that's and that's... How they were able to, and maybe they threatened the lives of Fushi, Mizuha, and the gang. I'm not sure. Um, another possibility is are the guardians, and I don't know. Again, I don't know how they would be able to see it. 
Knocker seem more likely to be able to see the five than, yeah. than the Guardians would be able to. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe they they have some sort of partnership with the Knockers or they themselves are able to communicate with the Fi in a way we just don't quite understand. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, those are really the only two options I can think of. I sort of like both of them in different ways. So uh-huh. I like the Guardians option because we know that the Guardians have some sort of affinity or some sort of knowledge about Fi, right? About how they've been able yeah. to pass Hayase's Fi on in a way that we don't really know of any other people having done. Like, we, we know the Beholder can do it, uh, but we don't actually know, without his intervention, how any other humans have been doing that. But but the Guardians have been doing it success, successful, su- successfully, evidently, with Hyacinth Phi for generations. So they, they have some sort of knowledge about the Phi that most others probably don't. So... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past them. Right. And then about it perhaps being the knockers. So when you mentioned that, I got the thought that, or the idea that, basically what we've learned about how knockers communicate in the past has been like similar to the Doki Doki people. What, what, what were they called? Uh, <laughs> earthenware people. Yeah. That's right. Um, they... Like, like, basically with imagery and how both parts of the dialogue need to be cooperating to have a conversation in that kind of way, or, well, essentially along those lines. And so what I was thinking just when you said this is, what if that type of communication isn't a specifically a knocker communication method, but a phi communication method in general? Interesting. And that Hmm. somehow maybe if you are in a human body or a fleshy form, then you are somehow locked out of that. But maybe I I, I, obviously I I don't have anything to base this on, but it's yeah, maybe possibility. Hmm. I mean, how else would unless the knockers have some sort of unimaginable way of communicating with each other, like you can't can't see it, Hmm. but it's only within like the knocker system. Unless it's that, then Surely the Phi are the ones that are communicating with each other. And so maybe Phi right, right. have that ability. Right. But Bone, technically, I've never seen Bone acknowledge the fact that he can see the Phi that's in the knocker or anything like that. But True. I guess it doesn't extend, extend to communication, maybe. I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, that, there could be a difference there. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> should should be fun to find out. Yeah, yeah I, that 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 is one plot point of many that I'm excited to, or I'm anxious to yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, truly. Because they, I don't, I don't know, because they they seem to have, they could have like a a really nice tidbit of information. I also don't want them to be in danger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even though they're already dead. Yeah, I also I care for them. Yeah, right? actually, yeah. <laughs> they've been around yeah. since volume seven, right? Like, so like, yeah, I want them to be all right. Also, Yuzumi. Like, oh, well, like, fair, fair. She's been really helpful. True, true, true. I, I guess, yeah, I, I care about her too. Just maybe I care about Nixon and Fenn a little bit more. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, anything more on Bond specifically? or? I think that's all I have on him. Gotcha. Then let's move on a little bit to the Beholder. I only have one thing on him, actually, and it's that... Same. We sort of learned specifically that... or. At least it's pretty safe to assume that he most likely created his current form as it is, pretty much, and just kind of placed it 
in the world right before becoming that form, I guess. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that he was pretty freshly made into the world when he was found uh, by the orphanage. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think it's any sort of controlling a, a, a someone else's body or anything. I, I right. just don't think. I, yeah. I really do think it was. He just created it and popped it into existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting that he was able to do that. Mm. Yeah, I just can will Fushi be able to eventually do something similar, which I guess you don't want to have happen per se. I mean, in, in like several thousands of years, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, something interesting though, and this is the point I got out of it or out of his little section, mm. he's experiencing new sensations. Yeah. He mentions how warm the tub is and then it's, Oh, I've never eaten this before. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, when Fushi got into the modern day, there was foods he hadn't eaten before. Right. Um, right. So there's that. But I, I, it's interesting. If he's lived a life, you know, that is similar to how Fushi has gone about life and growing, and if he's had the same sort of training, mm. wouldn't he have experienced these same things already? Well, um, I, I think you made a good point about the food, that uh-huh. the food might be new for this age so that might not ever have existed in the past yeah and about the warm bath so i had the thought that first of all it's not guaranteed that he had ever experienced a hot bath even though he had lived a long life because it would have been so far into the past where where hot baths well hot springs and stuff might have been rarer or hard to come by and only for the richest of people or whatever however Mm -hmm. even if he had experienced it it would have been so long ago that it would have been like he, he would have maybe forgotten like the sensation of it. You're right. That's that's true as well. And I think going going to my beholder theory, mm. I, I do think that the world either is created or it's reincarnated or it it begins anew. So when Fushi reaches a certain level, he will he will create his own world or begin anew and it will start from ground zero and then, or, you know, year zero and then go go on from there and eventually maybe reaching its own modern day type of thing Ah. that's 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 my whole idea of it Ah, so that's why it's interesting that he wouldn't have tried that food that's just my that's just my theory though Mm -hmm. maybe maybe beholder's take on his uh, the fushi journey was a little different and maybe he didn't have the knockers to oppose him um because he does seem very taken back about about their existence, you know, how they came into his garden mm. and everything. Yeah. So it could be that his his growth into omnipotency was, you know, less worried about knockers per se and just focusing on gaining new powers and le- and, and less less experiences with humans, maybe. Um Right. And oh, and and maybe that's why he's experiencing a couple of these things for the first time, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. potentially. But again, just speculation. Right. No. So, just to make sure I understood you correctly, what you said earlier uh-huh. was your idea essentially that the behold, like let's say there was a beholder before the beholder who was sort of the mentor uh-huh. for the current beholder. Yeah. I think we 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 both sort of assume something like that. Yeah. And then, so when the beholder was where Fushi is now. 
the world was on a different what would you, what would you call it growth thing that would be sort of reset once the beholder became as powerful as he would could become when when he sort of just recreated all of it is that your thinking yeah i, I think so i mean just your, yeah based on your description yes i, I think so um, so he gets he gets to the point where fushi is his own world modern day but maybe he doesn't have the luxury or even the chance to enjoy or ha- it, the modern day or you know just mm. those kind of conveniences and he just continues on his training and becoming the, the next beholder right right and then eventually creates his own world or or the world resets right for right reason gotcha so i i definitely think that's a possibility that i'm absolutely not ruling it out and i, I do think it's definitely a good good possibility but I also think that another way to look at it, and something that I probably sort of prefer to view it as, um, and it actually goes along with what you said about the Beholder not having perhaps interacted with a lot of humans during his days as a disciple, or well, what Fushi is now, mm-hmm. is that the world never was reset, or never a new world was entirely created, but it's been... The world has been reinvented more so by uh, by each new beholder, quote unquote. Okay. And so, if the beholder back when he was where Fushi is, or when he you know was traveling the world or whatever, maybe that was before the age of humans, when you know other creatures lived on on the earth and stuff like that, or some well, I, I don't know. Uh, and maybe he never actually was a human necessarily in in human forms until maybe the end of his term or whatever um mm-hmm. perhaps perhaps and then he he sort of reinvented maybe he was the one who created humans as we know them and stuff like that maybe i, I don't know it could be just because the, the the earth has existed for many eternities i i suppose you could say you well, know not eternities billions a uh, b- billion of years right right which which i think can be divided into at least a few in in human ways of looking at it, eternities. Well, obviously, yeah, a billion is a long time. Not like a literal eternity, but uh-huh. still, you know, a long, long, long time can still be considered an eternity, I, I suppose. Well, you you want to know what I think about that is, uh-huh. it, life didn't exist on Earth until a certain point, and it was it wasn't four billion or was it four billion years ago? Or I don't know the numbers. It, it took a while for the Earth to form and become habitable by. Well, things that weren't, I guess, microscopic. Uh-huh. And so I think that potentially the Beholder placed Fushi at a time when maybe even humans weren't fully evolved yet. Or, you know, maybe maybe dinosaurs roamed the... Right. <laughs> I don't know. Got, right, right, right. But he, but he placed it... But here's my thinking is that there wasn't anybody... There wasn't a Beholder before him in that on that same earth. Gotcha. He placed him... The beholder put placed him, and then he eventually became a rock, right? Uh-huh. And but he could have spent millennia as a rock, and then finally became moss or something. Absolutely. Something to that extent. Mm. Um, so I don't know that. That's kind of what I'm starting to think it is what happened, but maybe you're right. Maybe as for as long as the Earth has been around, 
there's been a beholder and it passes on to the next beholder until so we've gotten to this point but mm. i don't know right i mean i i i like both both uh speculations i obviously we can't tell we we can't say yeah <laughs> but but right. yeah that 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 is definitely fun to think about <laughs> yeah you know i we went on this a lot lo a lot longer than i thought we would yeah. but it, it, it's good discussion <laughs> yeah it's good for sure good stuff. for sure uh, but then I guess we can move on to the final bit of the discussion, the knocker discussion, or at least as far as I, I know, you can add more after this if you want, but let's talk about the knockers for now. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Knockers. Yes. So the knocker in Mimuri's body supposedly started dwelling within her because it felt sorry for her and it wanted to help ease her suffering. At least that's what it said. <laughs> and Funa's knocker and also the guy that we saw in that video a few volumes back who jumped off a bridge mm -hmm. and perhaps also Mizuha's knocker and potentially as we talked about Izumi's knocker could have all been for similar reasons perhaps but I, I just feel like if if that is the case with all of these humans that have knockers within them or that have mm -hmm. had knockers take their bodies over completely if that is the case then I still feel like there's more to it there's more to it than just them the knockers feeling sorry for the, the humans. There's got to be more more than that, right? I yeah. If that's even true at all, to begin with, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I don't think it's so much as feeling sorry for them as more it is pity, and it's mm. like, oh, you foolish person, going down to earth and experiencing life like that. Mm. I we told you that you'd have pain, so much pain. Yeah. Here, let me fix this for you kind of a Fair. a situation could be the case <laughs> or maybe that maybe there is a grander scheme at, at play which would be very fun i think for sure um yeah not to say that i don't like the current objective it seems like but it just also seems so mysterious and, and cryptic that I, I want there to be maybe a, a grander reason for it all mm -hmm. um but yeah at this point i think that you know they they view life at, or you know the body and having their fi trapped in there um, as a way to experience pain and everything like that and mm. and these people want to be free of that and so maybe they you know they take they take over the body to let them see or let them have a happy life mm. but then eventually send them back because you live in a world that or at least the knockers have realized they they live in a world where Fushi exists, and he can replicate a body and put the five back in the body. Right. Um, so if they can discourage Phi to go back in their body, then their mission is complete, right? The Phi goes back to paradise uh -huh. eventually. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's part of the reasoning. Yeah, I I, I mean, yeah, could be. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I applaud you for, for coming up with anything at all because I didn't really have anything there. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I got, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure pretty much anyone who, who read this volume got a little bit curious about was when Mimori's knocker took Fuji's arm and his wolf tail. Yeah, man. And, and she said, they will love it too. Who are they? Like the other knockers or something something else? Like <laughs> Guardians? Right, exactly. I, I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Man. I, I do think that 
the knockers have to be in cahoots with each other. I mean, the Funa knocker coming in and taking out Mimori knocker is just example of that, that they're aware of each other. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe they have some sort of meeting place. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. Or something like that. And maybe that's what happened to Izumi and, and the other two. Mm. Um, because... Yeah, because they found out more than they should. I don't know. Um, oh yeah. But it is interesting that she would she would take trophies. <laughs> yeah. Of. Right. Right. Yeah. Another one of those things I can't wait to find out more about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although, well, she she took those quote unquote trophies, but then she was then she was killed. So I don't know if that's the end of that, or if we'll find out if she yet actually maybe did something with those before she was killed. Yeah, I mean. Maybe she handed them off to someone, you know? Right, for, for sure. I guess just speaking about, the you know, Nakamimori, Morty, evil demon lolly. It's like, <laughs> like this thing. Oh, gosh, the expressions yeah. that it has. Some of the most disturbing faces. Uh-huh. That, you know, we had a whole part one, you know, where there were some uh, obviously very good faces, you know, some faces that I adore and laugh at and, and whatnot, and and Hayase had some pretty good creep out faces too. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, but this part, I feel like Oima's really going all out with these <laughs> creepy faces. We got some from Mizaha, but also, right, she just went to town with evil demon Lali Mimori. Oh yeah, like of course I died or whatever. When when um, <laughs> Hirotoshi wakes up, the face that that makes, and then when she's yeah. fighting. Fushi, and then at the very end, it's just wow. She just goes all out on, on the creepy aspect. Yeah, and, and like when she's uh, pulling uh, Hirotoshi's hair out, that's yeah. also really disturbing. Like the faces she makes during that. Oh, mm-hmm. My God. I mean, I I love it for the the story aspects, but man, it's <laughs> yeah. it's unsettling. It is. It's it's so good. <laughs> and part of that reason why she, why Evil Mimori has those. Faces because she's experiencing pain, and you totally nailed it. I, for some reason, I I just was like, I knew pain was there, but I didn't think the knockers themselves were feeling it. But mm. you know, it's confirmed for sure that they were, and so it's very it's very interesting that they willingly they get into a body, a body that can feel pain, and that they say is not good for anything but pain. Uh-huh. Willing to go in that body and feel the thing they hate. It's like what? Yeah. Why? You know, Why? You know, now that you say that, that makes me wonder if, if the present day knockers operate in other ways as well. Perhaps they have other hiding spots, not just within human bodies, but perhaps other places that we just don't know of yet. <laughs> I just imagine like one of the knocker plants like typing away at a at a keyboard, like have a headset, kind of like a spy thing going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I could be, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's why the body heals quickly, is that because there's pain, the doctor's the like, nope, no, no, fix that up. Fix oh, that yeah, up. yeah, yeah. No they just want to get rid of that as quickly, quickly as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, is it is it for the person, you know, the, you know, the person that they're quote-unquote helping, or is it for their own, like no, 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 no pain, don't like that. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So we talked about the potential of the knocker, you know, taking over and killing Izumi, right? 
But why? What was the reasoning behind that? Mm-hmm. Because before we had always seen the knocker, I guess, in other, at least in Mimori's case, it really only took control when she was being yelled at by her mother or or some other bad things. Like she would take some yeah. of the bad things and uh-huh. try to help her in that way. Mm. Um, but it never tried to harm other people until it, it took full control. Mm. So I, I, I just wonder why this one felt the need to kill Izumi. Like why was, why was that so necessary? Yeah. You know, maybe it was just because of all the build-up frustration and they just reached a climax. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't... I'm not entirely sure what the hmm. what the purpose was, but I do think it was... It had something to do with the fact that Izumi was causing Mizuha a lot of pain. Yes. And suffering. Uh-huh. And so, in order to leave that, maybe the knocker went that far. I think I think that's I think that makes that makes the most sense. I I sort of started thinking about that as you were starting your your little, oh. little thing there, or you, you well yeah yeah I I sort of got that that same idea as well. Uh huh. Because I think to the knockers, Mizuha is more important. Like she, her like her having Hayase's five within her, she's important to them perhaps. Maybe. At at least more so than than Izumi. Right. And and so they needed her to not commit suicide over all of that perhaps they needed her alive and they needed her fight to stay within her and within that body mm-hmm. perhaps and so to ease her life and to make and well and to prevent her suicide they made her life easier by by getting rid of her real mother and giving her a better mother that wouldn't make her yeah. want to kill herself i think that makes a lot of sense so then they're really working to give her a better life versus maybe those other people or the other knockers like Mimori and, and Funa. Mm. Well, Funa's not dead yet, technically. Well, we don't know, but uh-huh. um, in Mimori's case, they, the knocker didn't really try to stop her from killing herself. Exactly. But, but I think it's specifically with, with Mizuha, though, mm-hmm. just because she has Hayase's Fi, and that obviously has a history with the knockers where... I don't know why or how, but I'm sure there's a significance there or it's important to them for some reason. Yeah, that's a strong possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, oh man, no, another one of those things where I just can't wait Can't wait to learn more. 100%, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. So when the Funa knocker kills Mimori knocker, um, she says, die once and try again. And uh-huh. Mimori's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So... What does the try again mean? Does the try again mean you go you go up to paradise and then you just pick some other suicidal person and take their body? Um, can are are the knockers able to do that? Is there a you know no limit kind of a thing, or did she encourage the knocker to if if they were so attached to life, just be born, you know, and and not be a knocker, just live actually live life? I don't know. Mm. Uh, something I was thinking of. Yeah, I mean, could be, uh, but I, I, I really just got the feeling it was to try again as a knocker and to because because Mimuri's knockers seem to be out of line, even compared to other knockers. I I think. Oh yeah. 
So, mm-hmm. and and that, that was the reason why it was killed. So to to try again is like to do what you're supposed to do as an archer, but don't go overboard like that again, perhaps. Maybe Funa's the one that's out of line. Dude, hey, maybe. <laughs> Dude, and ah. Not, not saying that Funa's like crazy or anything, but right. just because mm. of what happens at the end of this chapter. Exactly, right. Maybe the knockers didn't appreciate Mimori uh, or Funa killing Mimori knocker. That's really funny. Right. Either it's the knockers punishing the Funa knocker in that scene mm-hmm. for that reason, or it's Mizuha punishing Funa for perhaps, for, well, because she thought maybe she was doing something with Fushi. <laughs> oh, man. Like, no. Whichever one of those <laughs> both makes sense, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is really funny, actually. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then Funa had Hayase's Naginata. Right. What is going on? Like, why? I, I feel like she must have been, like, the, the Guardians must have lent that out to her to do this job. But why? Why? Guardians, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Why are the Guardians involved with the Knockers? That, I, I guess it's not too far of a leap, since the Guardians... With you know, with the highest descendants, they've always had an auger basically, yeah, working with them and being part of them. So, I guess it's right. not too far of a leap, but it, it is interesting though. And it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yep, it'll be fun to see. Oh, yeah, is that it for the knockers? Yep, all right. Any other characters? I, I don't have any other characters with any notes, but go for any ones that you have. For Yuki, I liked. Uh, how he was looking for peace talk, but that peace talk ended quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that was funny. Um, but maybe, maybe he'll bring that back up again when we have a less demon knocker to deal with. Who knows? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I hope so because I did like that idea of his. Mm-hmm. And then he, this is more funny. He convinced Guga that Fushi was in heat. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Actually, I really, I really liked seeing kind of how he and Gugu interacts now. Like, they've had some time to get, kind of become friends now, and, yeah, it, it seems that they've, 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 got, they, they've grown somewhat close. Yeah. And I think, lastly, I have is just March seeing Perona and crying. Yeah. It just really hit me hard. Mm. You know? And they never really got to say goodbye adequately. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really sad. It's too bad Perona didn't, didn't come back. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So sad. Anyway, sorry for talking so long. But <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> a lot of juicy stuff. It was. It was, honestly. Yeah. But I guess that is all for the characters. So I think I've shared all of my predictions and stuff throughout the discussion. Do you have any, any other any, any predictions or other things you want, you'd like to mention? I predict that the next volume will come out in December. <laughs> I think that's a solid prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Or is that just fact? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think I have any other predictions to say. Mm, uh, right. You know, I I didn't realize 138 was the final chapter of this volume. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was really funny <laughs> today. And so Petter let me know. <laughs> yeah, like like you really, like a couple hours before we started the recording today, I just double-checked for some reason with James. Like, did you read up to chapter 138? And he was like, wait, no. The, he, he missed that last chapter. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so you just read it for the first time today, the, f- the final chapter of this. That, that's fun. Fresh, a fresh take on that for you. Sure. And it changed, it changed a few of my theories, um, that I expressed and my thinking of the knockers and everything. And so <laughs> it's, it's, 
yeah, it's th- that final chapter kind of gets you thinking like, well, yeah, where is this story going? And oh yeah, how are you know how are the guardians involved? What is going on with Mizaha? Uh-huh. And yeah, I just I wonder. I I, I wonder what is going to be her fate. Dude, yeah, absolutely. I've been absolutely loving all of the cliffhangers that we've gotten since we got into the present day here. <laughs> <laughs> like we mentioned yeah. it earlier, like how they, there's like in a sense some sort of similarity to them all. But man, yeah, they've all been so good. And like the, the, the expressions in, in Mizuha's faces and all of them is like so, so good. <laughs> for sure. So yeah, cannot wait for volume 16. Super excited for that. So I guess that's it. Yep. All right then. If you enjoy our content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga, and it would be lovely if you'd like to support us by either rating our show on the podcast platforms or subscribing to our channel, Umami Manga, on YouTube. If you like this episode, please share it with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time when we'll talk about Volume 16. Bye-bye! See you later! Actually, uh, real quick, I, mm. my leg is bleeding. So oh well, no, I don't know why. Oh no, no, no it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. No, we can take we can just, take a break, dude. Like, no, no, I, I'm just gonna just gonna wipe oh. my leg. So give me one. Give me one uh, of course, yeah, dude. Take take your time with I'll that. I'll be back. I, yeah. <laughs> oh no.